Hey, welcome back to the Melbourne Coffee Culture Podcast. Why am I doing this podcast? Well, I have a lot to share. And I believe that Melbourne is the epicenter of coffee development and progress in the world. It's not just myself saying this. Uh, We hosted the Melbourne International Coffee Expo and the World Barista Champions for the first time in 2013. We have the Barista Hustle putting out the best coffee education in the world. And we have a whole bunch of unique uh, characteristics here in Melbourne, like a small population. You know, three million people in the city, um, but an explosive coffee culture. It's very hard to do. There's, there's very high competition. We have over 300 roasters in this city. We have thousands of cafes with, I think, 15,000 seats. Uh, It's a crazy market, and I believe that we can export the Melbourne coffee culture to other cities around the world. And here is a resource that over the next five years, you can go through the archives, find a topic that you like, and if you're opening a cafe in China, if you're starting a roastery in South America, if you're wanting to freeze coffee beans from the farm and, and post them to cafes, around the world, you're going to catch glimpses and and glean amazing insights from not only myself and industry, but from the people that I interview. And we've interviewed some great people. We've interviewed uh, David Hagar, who's growing an empire in terms of social media, and he's uh, blogged and cafe reviewed every opening since about 1999. Uh, We've interviewed... uh, Uh, photographers, cafe owners who've made millions of dollars buying and selling and starting cafes from scratch. Uh, We've talked to baristas and there are going to be many more interviews to come. Welcome back to the Melbourne Coffee Culture Podcast. Remember to share this with people who are hungry for the Uh, coffee information and connections that we have here. I'm Jonathan Scholler and today I want to share a visualization that will assist you in your milk texturing and your latte art. So you may be thinking, hang on a minute, how can I do latte art training without having a visual component? How can an audio podcast train me to make coffee well you have the most powerful video player on earth and it's your imagination in the same way as i talked about hunger and being hungry hunger is a primordial force hunger is what helps us to survive it's what helps us to grow and the imagination is another powerful engine that you have so If you've ever seen a coffee machine, if you've ever seen someone steaming milk, if you know what a jug looks like, then you're going to be effectively trained in the next 15 minutes or so. Like my original podcast episode, steaming milk is objective. Everything we do is objective. Everything we do is controlled. Everything we do is measured. And so I want you to just really keep that in your mind. As you approach the coffee machine, 
You want to have a measured amount of milk. You want to know, are you steaming for a cappuccino? Are you steaming for a flat white or two flat whites or three cappuccinos and a latte and a doppio with a dash of hot milk? So you're going to need to learn and measure and uh, practice the volumes of milk that you need. Number two, as an introduction, you want to make sure that the milk is cold. Really basic, but if you're starting off with milk that is two degrees, then you're going to have more time between two degrees and the target temperature of 61 degrees to texture your milk. So you may have as much as three or four seconds longer in terms of contact time between the milk and the steam. So that'll actually make it a lot easier. There are some people listening who have bad latte art and bad milk quality because your milk is at room temperature and you're actually giving yourself a handicap, a disability and a penalty of 30%. So you're actually starting the race behind everybody else. Number two, sorry, number three, you want to make sure the jug is clean and dry. It's got to be dry, absolutely dry. So what that means is when you pour that 100 mils of cold milk into your jug, it is not being diluted by 5 or 10 or 20 mils of cold water, which is going to reduce the fat content in the milk, it's going to change the way it steams, it's going to affect the colloidal suspension, it's going to affect the taste of the coffee. So you don't want to be doing that. And a sub-point to point three is to always purge the steam wand because you're going to have up to 20 mils of water coming out of the steam wand. So turn the steam wand on and off again, removing the condensation in the steam wand. Make sure the steam wand's clean. Make sure you have a a separate chucks or sponge dedicated only to to the milk wand. Another problem I've seen is people use the same cloth to clean the steam wand as they use to clean the bench or the drip tray. Now, health and safety aside, obviously you don't want to be rubbing bacteria attracting milk on your table, but if you're rubbing the table and the drip tray and then the steam wand, you're going to be putting coffee grinds on the steam wand and there's going to be one or two coffee particles in your milk jug and it's going to be making your milk and coffee taste burnt. So some people might be saying this coffee's burnt and is bitter and it's actually not the coffee shot or the roaster or the bean or the grinder or any other thing other than you're being sloppy and messy and don't just don't do it, okay? Don't. So use a dedicated cloth for the steam wand. Now we're going to go into our three objectives, three outcomes, followed by three steps. So the three outcomes when steaming and texturing milk is heat. So the first outcome is heat, say heat. Heat is where you're taking the milk from 5 degrees Celsius to roughly 61 degrees Celsius. That's the first outcome. The second outcome is aeration. You're wanting to put air into the milk, and that, again, is measured and objective. 
And the third outcome is you're wanting what I would call a colloidal suspension or an even distribution of that air. So how do you turn cold milk that has no air in it into an evenly distributed micro bubbles of finely aerated textured milk? Well, you do it in this order. Number one, you spin the milk. Now what you need to do is delete any reference or memory or pictures or practice in your mind for um, aerating milk or bubbling milk or frothing milk. It is really not important. Yes, we will introduce a tiny bit of air, but 99% of steaming milk, 99% of texturing milk, 99% of latte art is in spinning the milk, say spinning So what you want to do is you want to focus your attention and you want to focus your activities on the first step of spinning the milk. Now what I mean by spinning, what I mean is you're going to use that technique, you're going to use the angle of the jug, you're going to use the steam wand and you're going to use that for the specific purpose of causing a vortex You want the milk to be turning clockwise or anti-clockwise and you're wanting it to be spinning so that any air you later introduce to the milk is distributed evenly. Really important. So the way that you do step one, the way that you spin the milk is again taking total control. Think of taking a pen. When you're learning to write as a child, when you're learning to write with a pen or pencil, You learn how to hold the pen firmly. You find a position, whether it's chopsticks or a pen or a paintbrush, you find your place, you find what's comfortable. You're actually holding the pen tight. You're holding the paintbrush. You're pushing quite firmly down on the table. You have a particular position with your arm on the table or your elbow on the table. I want you to be taking control of the milk jug and you need to have an earthing position you need to be controlling the milk jug so that if someone bumps you it doesn't move you want to be earthed in the way that your little finger or your part of your hand is actually leaning at all times on the steam sorry on the drip tray or on the coffee machine or on the bench so you want to be really taking control the best analogy that i have is someone trying to balance a broomstick on their open palm of their hand. If you were to put your hand out in front of you and turn your palm facing upwards, if someone was to vertically stand a broomstick on your palm and ask you to balance it without gripping it with your fingers, just balancing it on the palm of your hand, you want to you wanna not be doing that. <laughs> you want to be taking that broom and sweeping. You want to be controlling it exactly where it's going to be and that's really important part of spinning why because what you're doing when you're spinning the milk is you're inserting the steam wand below the surface of the milk you're submerging the steam wand turning it on full speed after it's submerged so you're inserting the steam wand into the milk submerged for below the surface completely submerged then turning on the steam wand full speed taking total control like a pen 
and being earthed with a finger or two on the drip tray or somewhere to keep you firmly balanced. Find the angle that works for you, like writing or painting, that causes a spin. After the milk spinning, this will be within the first three seconds or so, you will drop millimeter by millimeter with absolute control and precision. You will lower the height of the milk jug so that the steam wand just skips on the top of the surface of the milk. It'll make a sound similar to a kissing sound, something like that, and that is probably enough air. There's no more need for air. There's no more need for shaking and bubbling, you know, you know, shaking the milk jug. You just want to be lowering millimeter by millimeter until you introduce a kissing sound of air, and then you want to raise the milk jug up again. It's just like a, a rock skipping on the water. It's just going to be kissing the top of the water, putting a little bit of air in, sorry, the top of the milk. And then you raise the milk jug up again above the, uh, the steam wand and continue to spin. Once the, that's step two is introducing the air. Step three is once your body gets to a point of automatically telling you that the milk jug's too hot, you want to turn off the steam wand and, of course, wipe the steam wand. So I believe, and I've trained hundreds of baristas um, in tens of cafes, and I believe that every person has a almost like a pleasure point um, it's, it's almost like a point of physical contact where your body finds it hard to distinguish between hot and cold. And there's almost a pleasure point if you're having a hot bath or if you're having a hot shower or if you've been fortunate enough to swim in a hot spa and then jump into a cold swimming, swimming pool and then jump back into the hot spa. There's this, your skin will, will, will have this phenomena where you almost enjoy the pain of the heat. Now, this is not a fetish or anything crazy like that, but, but I've trained hundreds of baristas and I've found that everybody has almost the same uh, temperature. It's like a calibration and it's usually between 61 to 63 degrees. And what it is is that point when you're holding that milk jug and your body will involuntarily want to let go. It's just too hot. Suddenly you're steaming the milk, you're steaming the milk. It's getting hotter, it's getting hotter. And then there's a moment when your body goes, hang on a minute, this is not safe. <laughs> um, you're not going to burn yourself, but you're, you, that's when I would turn off the milk, the steam wand. Um, now, if someone's asking for extra hot coffee, you may want to move your hand from holding the milk jug to just holding the, the handle and continue to steam for the count of one, two, three that might give you an extra hot of course when you're learning you might want to use a thermometer just to calibrate yourself appropriately if someone wants the coffee a little bit cooler if someone asks for a warm coffee then maybe you turn off the steam on one or two counts before you get to the point of that automatic involuntary pulling away now obviously don't pull away but uh, do turn off the milk jug do be safe don't burn yourself um, but I've noticed in, in training hundreds of people in, in many different environments that most people have a, a built-in temperature and I can teach them faster to steam milk to the right temperature by explaining this, this sort of pleasure point 
where it's uh, on the border between pleasure and pain where your hand is starting to say, hang on a minute, this is a little bit too hot, but it's almost a pleasurable sort of sensation, um, like having the bath or the shower just hot enough to to be able to, to jump into the water. So uh, that's basically the steps. So what I'd love you to do, if you'd like to learn how to do latte art, you have to have great milk. Once your milk is colloidal suspension of oil and water and protein and air, once there's micro bubbles that are evenly distributed throughout the milk, because that's what the spinning's doing. It's taking the bubbles from the top to the bottom, to the top, to the bottom, and it's spinning around. And then you've got, you know, a moment or two to pour that beautiful silky milk. What I want you to do is to go to my blog, jonathanshola.com, and just read the article because I'm going to post the steps on how to do it on there. And there are some great videos out there by The Verve, Street Smart. If you Google The Verve, that's T-H-E-V-E-R-V-E, Street Smart. So there's some great videos on YouTube and Vimeo by The Verve on Latte Art. But I'm going to post the steps on my blog, jonathanshola.com. And uh, what I'd love you to do is take that milk and and start practicing because once you have great milk, once you follow those three steps, we're going to do a recap. Step one, you want to be spinning the milk. Step two, you want to introduce just a little bit of air in a very objective way. Less than a second is usually enough. Step three, you want to continue to spin that milk. So notice the focus is on spinning. It's not on bubbling. It's not on frothing. The focus is on spinning. If you focus on spinning, then you're going to find that you're going to be able to introduce an accurate amount of air, have control over the situation, and make really great milk that's easy to pour, and latte art will be very easy to do. Now, a couple of other things. Uh, The steam wand should never be touching the sides or the bottom of the jug. Um, and also distance is something to practice with when pouring. One of the biggest techniques, the biggest tricks, the biggest secrets is distance. So when you're pouring that milk into the coffee, practice an experiment with pouring with the milk jug really close, almost touching the crema, then pull away as you're pouring, pull away until you're almost 10, 15 centimetres away from the coffee come back in and what you'll notice is the distance controls the distribution of the latte art. So if you're close to the coffee, as the milk jug approaches the cup, you're going to find that the foamy, frothy milk is going to sit on top of the crema. As you pull further away from the cup, as you lift the milk jug and pour further away with a greater distance from the cup, you're going to find that the milk is going to go under the crema. And so it actually becomes controlling the distance between the milk and the cup. That distance is going to determine how much froth, how much latte art ends up on top of that coffee. Obviously, there are a whole bunch of techniques around distribution and integration and a whole bunch of other patterns that you can do. But the basics is going to be controlled by the speed of the pour and by the distance between the milk jug and the coffee. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Remember, focus on steaming, spinning the milk. 
don't focus on aerating the milk.